Welcome to our next episode of the NetDocuments Cloudcast. In this episode, we talk a little bit about working offline and have a great interview with Lee Duncan, one of the co-founders of NetDocuments. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the NetDocuments Cloudcast where we'll talk everything NetDocuments, relevant events and technology, and maybe a laugh or two along the way. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the next episode of the NetDocuments Cloudcast. JB is off this week, which I guess for NetDocuments means that's a good thing because he's busy with uh, all sorts of implementations. So unfortunately, you're stuck with me and only me. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk to myself. That would just be too weird. But I'll definitely talk to you. Something interesting that happened today, and I'll just share a couple of musings, and then we'll get into the meat of the podcast, is uh, just a few weeks ago, you know, we're NetDocuments is a, is a cloud company, and most people think you need to be on the Internet to access content. However, one of the largest providers in the U.S. for Internet services, Comcast, had an issue at the end of June of 2018. They actually said that they were two unrelated fiber cuts to their network backbone providers. So they had two different providers had some type of a cut to their fiber networks and that caused massive Comcast Internet issues in various parts of the United States. Fortunately, where I was at the time didn't affect anything at all, but I know there were many locations on the East Coast where they had internet service disruptions, et cetera. And as a cloud service provider, that uh, that could be the death of you, even though it's not your fault, the fact that the internet is down. As people evaluate net documents and evaluate other cloud solutions for that matter, what happens? You need to ask the question, what happens if the internet goes down? What happens regardless if the internet goes down or if perhaps I lose I lose connection to the cloud service provider that I'm going to, how can I still work on my content? As a mature cloud solution, NetDocuments actually has a few different solutions for that. I'm gonna talk about two of them today, although there are a handful of others. So the very first thing that pops to mind when someone asks me, hey Mike, what happens if, if I lose connection? You know, maybe the internet goes down or someone next door is digging and, and they cut my internet connection and I can't connect to NetDocuments. What I typically say is there are two primary ways that you can work offline. One of those ways is what we call or what I call a reactive method to working offline. And the other way is a proactive method. So I know I'm going to be offline. Let's talk about the reactive method first. One of the things that's been inherent part of the net document service, I even think since day one, when it was created in 1999, is something that we call echoing. And the basic premise is I open a document from the cloud, from the NetDocuments platform. It downloads and is stored locally on my machine. So really the, the document that I'm working on is local. Every time I hit save, the changes are saved locally. The changes are also saved back into the cloud. With echoing, what that means is when I close the document and it gets checked in, if echoing is turned on, that local copy still remains on my local machine. And with echoing, you have the ability to determine retention. So how long does this echoed content stay on my machine? Many of our customers will pick something like 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, etc. 
which means all of a sudden I could have 30 days or 45 days worth of content that I've worked on on my local machine. And so if something happens to the Internet or something happens to my Internet connection and I can no longer access net documents, well, all of a sudden there's my plan A. It's my reactive being able to work offline to that content that's stored locally. And as I make edits to those content, those changes are stored locally. And then when I get back online or when the Internet is restored, then the changes can be placed back into Net Documents. So it's quite an elegant way, but it is a reactive. It may not include everything that I need, and, and there are other solutions for that. But I mentioned that there were two ways to work offline. The other way is a more proactive way of doing that. So I know I'm going to be offline. Maybe I'm preparing for a trial that's coming up and I'm going to go hide myself in some place that doesn't have internet, which now as I say that out loud is a really dumb idea, but bear with me here. So I've got this matter. I've got hundreds of files that I need to have access to, but I'm not going to have internet. So we have our, another product, another feature in NetDocuments called NDSync. That simply allows me, while I'm still online, to say, I want to take this matter, or I want to take this folder, or this container, and I want to take that content and store it offline on my local device. And so while I'm offline, I've got all of this content. And what's really nice is this ND sync, as I say, synchronize this. It pulls that down and the structure. So if I've got a matter, and it has folders and subfolders or filters, etc. it will recreate that structure locally. So it's in a format that I'm used to seeing. And I can go and I've got all that content there. I can edit that content because it is local. But that's only half of what NDSync does. We call it NDSync because it then synchronizes changes back. So if I make changes while I'm offline, when I return offline, NDSync knows what content that I'm synchronizing. It knows what content I've made changes to and will then push those changes automatically to the cloud. So I don't have to do anything except return online. Not only does it do that, but let's say I'm synchronizing a particular matter or a particular project or a particular case. Choose your term. That content that I'm synchronizing locally, it will also watch for that content in the cloud. If someone comes and edits content on the cloud or perhaps adds new content and I'm synchronizing the container where that new content is stored, NDSync will pull that content down automatically because I'm synchronizing the container, the folder, the matter, etc. And so it does a bi-directional sync on an automated basis simply by me saying synchronize this and all of its content. Now, as I explain this to, to companies that are interested in offline working, they invariably will say, but Mike, what happens if I'm offline and I go to edit a document? Someone is online and they edit the exact same document. What happens then? And there's a simple answer to that as well, something that we've baked into NDSync, and it's what we call collision detection. As that person offline edits that document, and someone else online edits the same document, when the offline person returns online, NDSync will go to sync that content. As it pushes the document up to the system, it says, wait a minute, there are changes to that online copy that we don't have locally. And rather than lose either changes, the changes that were done online or my changes that were done offline, what will happen is it will take my changes 
and it creates a new version of that document. It will notify me and says, Mike, we've detected there's some, some out of sync content here. We've taken your content and created a new version of this document and I get notified. And then I'm actually able to go and figure out what do I want to do. So I've got version one and version two. Maybe I want to run Redline and create version three with the merge changes, or maybe I want to create a different document, or maybe I realize, wait, the changes the person made online are much better than my changes, so I can delete my version. It all depends upon what I want to do in that particular case. So those are a couple of ways that I can work offline. And during the, the Comcast outage, you know, there were, uh, I'm sure that there were NetDocuments customers that utilized both of those methods to be able to continue to have access to their work, even though their internet provider was having issues. So offline working is a very big deal with NetDocuments, and it's becoming more and more common throughout our customer base and throughout those that are actually utilizing cloud-type technologies. And I know it's kind of ironic. You think, wow, it's a cloud technology. Why am I working on content locally? Until the Internet is up 100% of the time, that's always going to be a concern. Uh, or the Internet is accessible from everywhere, that's still going to be a concern as well. So it's, it's, we've had long, drawn-out thought processes on how to make this an efficient experience with net documents and to be able to make it as seamless as possible because we know people want access to their content 24 7. now if you're one of those people that said but mike neither of those really cover my scenarios then what i want you to do is reach out to me at nd cloudcast on twitter or info at netdocuments.com and give me your scenario and I, I suspect that we may have a solution that fits you as well and by the way since i'm mentioning our our Twitter handle. You are more than welcome if you have suggestions for future topics or you have criticisms or you just want to say we're great and you listen to us. We would love to hear from you. And I'll tell you what, you follow me, I'm going to follow you. So that kind of wraps up our very first segment. Actually, it's my segment, right? Because JB's off today. So it wraps up my first segment. Now, if you stick around after the break, you're in for a real treat. I've uh, arranged to interview one of the founding members of NetDocuments, Lee Duncan. I've known him personally for many, many years. He's a great guy, and I think you're going to enjoy what he's got to say. So stick around after the break, because that's up next. Well, today I am joined by Lee Duncan, and Lee, thank you so much for taking some time to to talk to us and and to share some fun stuff with our listeners. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate this opportunity. So, one of the questions, you know, I I don't want to make my interviews the common standard interview questions, and so the first question that I like to start off with is, tell us, you know, introduce yourself. So, how long you've been with the company? I think you've been at the company longer than most, kind of your history with NetDocuments, and then something unique about you that not everyone may know. Okay, sounds good. Um, I'll just go into it then and uh, and kind of give you probably go off on some tangents you don't expect, but uh, I'll I'll do my best here. Um, yeah, currently I'm I'm assisting helping out the uh, success managers 
we have a team of success managers that are um, out and about helping uh, mostly larger customers and um, so I just help them with that uh, assignment. Um, as far as the history within NetDocuments, um, you know, I've been here since the start, and um, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it with the previous history. But uh, when NetDocuments was started, um, some of us had come uh, from Novell. Uh, I had been working there, and we decided to start something that was similar to what we had worked with before, which is a company called Soft Solutions. So I'll, I'll spend some time talking about that also. I grew up in Arizona, uh, northeastern Arizona, about 20 feet from Route 66, probably pretty much in its heyday. And so we saw America go in front of our house, um, interesting all the people and different things that uh, that went on that that mother road back in the days um, in the 60s and uh, so uh, that was a great opportunity growing up as a kid. Our father was an engineer on the railroad, Santa Fe Railroad, and so we had the best of both worlds with transportation as uh, the country knew it back in those days. Um, I got a degree of, in finance in uh, BYU and then I got my MBA at Arizona State University. One of the things that I did while we were getting our education was I worked uh, fighting fires and doing other things with the Forest Service and so that was a fun opportunity to be out in the woods and uh, currently with all the fires going on I understand those people are working very very hard to try to do their best to stop those fires. I then spent some time doing some teaching for a uh, college down in Arizona and um, specifically I taught classes out on what we call the Hopi Indian Reservation. The Hopi Indian Reservation is right smack in the middle, surrounded by the Navajo Indian Reservation, which is the largest uh, tribe in the United States. And that was quite an experience. Uh, great fun, good people, uh, wonderful uh, kids to work with there, and a um, little different than what uh, we see in the norm. They have a village out there that's the oldest continuously populated village in the, in the country. I know there's uh, white villages that were started a long time ago, but this is Indian. And so they're on their their native land that they've been on for hundreds of years. So it's a it's pretty interesting country. We had a um, company called Soft Solutions that we started. Um, I came up um, from Arizona in about 1981. And Ken Duncan and Alvin Tejmulia uh, wanted to start a company with some software. And um, Ken liked the selling part. Alvin liked making software. And I wanted to work with customers. So we thought we had all the bases covered there. And that was kind of our uh, different responsibilities as we started the company. Uh, starting out was kind of interesting. You know, 1981 was a year after... The IBM after IBM introduced the first PC, and so that really dates me. But uh, back then, uh, of course, the Apple II and some of those uh, back and so forth had been introduced just prior to that. But we worked with what were called back then uh, mini computers, which was a small server attached to what we refer to as dumb terminals. 
and so just a cable. So the terminals just you know everything was was stored on the on the mini computer service, if you will. Those started to replace Wang word processing machines, which a lot of law firms used back in those days, where they actually had uh, an area called a word processing center and a lot of people in there typing documents and letters. And uh, so we uh, we started working with law firms in a number of ways. One of those actually was we did a contract with a company called CMS Data in Florida. And that contract was to develop an update to their time and billing software. And uh, so we we did the coding for that, and then we had rights to, to sell that accounting software uh, west of the Mississippi, and they sold east of the Mississippi. Um, accounting software, is, in my opinion, is not quite as fun as word processing, and we started doing also uh, some word processing with those mini computers. As time went by a little bit, Novell came out with their network to run on the IBM PCs and other PCs that were coming out. So we started looking at that and um, realized that that's going to probably replace the mini computers that uh, were being used with the dumb terminals. And uh, as that became a stronger viable solution, law firms started uh, trading in their dumb terminals, if you will, for these uh, PCs. That meant that we needed to change our software, uh, both the time and building and, and the word processing. And uh, so we started developing that software on the uh, on the PCs. In that time frame, we kind of decided to focus mostly on that word processing and um, not so much on the uh, time and billing. And so as time went by, that was phased out as, as the product that we wanted to sell. As we got into that, you know, we did some uh, interesting contract work because we were still building that up, didn't really have enough customer base and so forth to um, to sustain us. So we did contract work with, made some contractors building software, did a software contract for a group in Denver, Colorado, that was called the Denver Dumb Friends League. Well, people that work on animals know Dumb Friends relates to animals. This is one of the larger um, humane societies um, back in those days. And they wanted some software to help keep track of, you know, the medicine for the animals, the, when they got the animals, and so forth, and all, everything to um, to track animals. Well, it ended up that that kind of was similar to documents, you know, keeping track of documents, <laughs> keeping track of animals, keeping track of documents. Anyway, it, it gave us some great experience um, uh, as we got into the uh, world of document management. So that... Um, was the company was called Soft Solutions. We developed it and went into about, uh, it was estimated we had about 50% of the market at that time. And then that was uh, sold to WordPerfect at the time and to Novell. And of course, WordPerfect and Novell were critical components to document management because Novell had the network and WordPerfect had the documents. And um, ironically, we had worked early on with WordPerfect as they were developing that software when they developed on mini computers originally. So they would come to our office and would have us help them test some of their software that they were working with on their computers. And uh, so that was kind of interesting how that played out. All three 
Novell, WordPerfect, and us all three um, began and, and um, developed within the same valley here in the, in Utah. So uh, pretty close knit group. It must have been something in the water that everybody drank. How these <laughs> these three giant technology companies came from the same roots in the middle of Utah. It's it's pretty amazing. And you said you went from tracking animals to tracking documents. That's you know, Lee. I've, <laughs> quite, I've quite a, it's quite a jump. I've known you for almost ten years now. You're telling me stuff I had no idea about you <laughs> and about the company. And how how did you make the the association between hey we're doing good at tracking animals now let's take this and let's track documents what what was the piece in there that connected those two? Well, I think um, I think actually the you know we'd already been working some with um, with law firms uh, related to time and billing and and starting to dabble in the in the doc management and so so we kind of saw that. Um, as a natural for for uh, law firms to you know start kind of managing their documents better and um and it was interesting how many aspects of that was similar to uh to this tracking software we did for the animals i mean we had profiles you know that was kind of a a new thing at the time but uh, those profiles were of course different than um, Profiles we use for for the law firms, for they had other information to keep track of. But yeah, it was kind of interesting. I I actually went to a show in Atlanta for different dog stuff, you know, and animal stuff. And I quickly uh, realized I was kind of a fish out of water in that group because they were all kind of like, "What's software? What? How do you use that software with animals?" <laughs> and they were, you know, they were selling dog leashes and stuff like that. So <laughs> it was. It was an interesting experience, certainly. So anyway, I, we so so that was, the company was sold. Uh, Novell, right after the software was sold, Soft Solutions was sold to them. Novell purchased WordPerfect, uh, and historically speaking, they took over WordPerfect. And it was a little bit of a challenge because because application software is quite different than than networking software, and so. Um, with networking software, they worked with the PCs and connectings and 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 all of that. Whereas with the applications, it was more people-oriented and and working with um, the software directly with the people. Well, um, some of us uh, worked at Novell for a while after that. We then kind of some of us kind of got together and said, you know, um, this thing called the internet was starting to become uh, a thing out there, and we thought, well, that's is replacing Novell because everybody was starting to say, well, do we still need Novell network and so forth? And so we saw that coming and we thought, well, let's do the same thing again based on this network, this new network called the internet. Well, so that was the, the guiding principle behind it. And um, we had to start from scratch again. However, we knew the basics at that point of what a document management system needed to have, but we also needed to start selling things. And we dabbled with a thing that we referred to as net envelope, because we thought, you know, we'll use this internet to deliver documents around the internet um, in these net, so-called net envelopes. That uh, later kind of morphed into what 
a piece of the software is now, which is uh, share spaces. And that's kind of where that had that genesis. I'm so glad you didn't just say NetBinder. Because <laughs> that, that word <laughs> takes me back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's somewhere back there also. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> NetBinder, good, good term. Um, some of us uh, got back together again, and, and Ken and Alvin and me and some of the other um, people that had worked previously with South Solutions got back together. It's interesting to note, a little side note, that um, during that time, some of our other employees that we had at Soft Solutions, some worked also at Novell, a few of them went to um, help the iManage people get iManage off the ground. And so it was kind of interesting to see see how that grew also uh, kind of in a parallel fashion. But but we we say it was because we had awesome people that they utilized. So uh, it was fun. So with this, um, we started from from scratch again in a little teeny office building. Um, It's interesting. One of our larger customers at the time, um, you know, we had to sell even though we were still trying to work on the software. One of those customers, we actually got them to buy the software even though we did not have profiling yet developed. And they knew what we had done before and they had used utilized the the previous soft solutions software so they knew that we would be putting that in and they decided that they would go ahead with what we had and install that and utilize that and then we would come along with profiling but um, can you imagine having the documentation today without any profiling capability it's uh, it's a pretty integral part of document management you know when we started uh net documents Probably the biggest challenge at that time, because everything was so new, people really didn't have any idea what was going on with this internet and so forth. The biggest challenge was getting law firms to agree to store their documents someplace other than in their offices. You know, they we always said that they liked being able to hug those documents at night and make sure that they're secure and everything. And so, you know, that took a combination of of us making the software better to, to work in that environment as well as just the Internet growing up and people realizing, hey, you know, everything is, is stored in different places with the Internet. And then uh, um, someone came along and made up the term cloud. And so people start referring to, to all of that storage now as the cloud. And so... Uh, so it all grew up, and that that now, of course, people understand the internet uh, well, and so they don't really care where the documents are. They realize, you know, their emails. I mean, I know where those are, and so forth. As long as this is the main criteria, as long as those documents are easily accessible and secure, and those are the basic criteria that that all law firms want. And so we knew we needed to start providing that early on and it was an integral part of the uh, net documents products that's an amazing story Lee to see the evolution of soft solutions of, of even before that tracking pets tracking animals to tracking documents to creating a document management system to going to the cloud and being where we are today now when you when you first started net documents and you got those net envelopes and then you started adding more functionality. Did you envision that 
the company would evolve to where it is today? You know, we probably had some vision out there, uh, but probably didn't realize that, you know, this was was starting a whole new layer or level of um, what we had done previously in the soft solutions and would become much, much broader just because we knew that the Internet was was just becoming ubiquitous. Everybody was taking taking that and somehow utilizing that. You know, it's interesting uh, looking at history. Um, a railroad worker named Sears, last name of Sears, when they started making the railroads go across the country and they started setting up the telegraph, he put those two pieces together, created a catalog, and started selling items out of that catalog using that railroad infrastructure and that telegraph infrastructure, which is very akin to what the what the internet was when it came out. It provided the communications and the process to deliver um, those documents, if you will, or those products that uh, Mr. Sears and Roebuck uh, delivered back in those right after the Civil War. So interesting uh, comparisons of how society does similar things, but they use different technology as they do it. So I've heard people say that genius is simply the ability to take two unrelated things and connect the dots as it was with Mr. Sears, as it was with with you and Ken and Alvin, just, I want to say visionaries, sometimes that term is overused, but in, in this case, you had the ability to see where technology was going to this ubiquitous, all access everywhere, anytime platform, and to start to head there and be really one of the pioneers on the internet. I, I just find it fascinating and and very amazing at people who can do that. As you look at what we've become today, right? We're not as big as we can be. We've we've mm-hmm. got a long way to go. We've got a great and loyal customer base, and that's simply going to continue to increase. But what do you see? What where do you see Net Documents going? What excites you most about our potential future? Well, you know, it's interesting how that uh, that cloud, if you will. It's still evolving greatly, you know, in lots of different ways. And so, you know, one of the things that um, that we're working toward is taking advantage of all those different applications related to the cloud. I mean, you can now st- store documents in lots of different ways in different countries, and you're no longer just tied to one cloud, if you will, and, and not tied to one location. But it's it's expanding such that that the customers can utilize the service no matter where they are throughout the world. The other thing is that the client that we use, the browser at the time, you know, that was pretty new to people. In, and for people starting to use the Internet, it was just a means for them to go look at something and, and maybe send an email or something that was starting uh, early on. But they didn't really see it as being a another client, if you will, to utilize some software um, program. And so that started coming on board, and, of course, uh, that then evolved into um, better better um, browsers as well as all the, uh, the apps that people now utilize. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You've got the app that's local. You've got the access to the documents. You've got the, the cloud and the browser that's available virtually anywhere on any device nowadays. And... Uh, if if you uh, have a device, you can probably you know, see whatever you want to see on that. So um, so I think that that um, 
ability to to now utilize the, the the bigger basis of that cloud knowing that it's it's worldwide and uh, and people can utilize it and, and across the country and no longer is place something that um, curtails the way that they work and um, and I think um, you know the other aspect is related to the whole security. I mean, we're putting uh, incredible emphasis in security, and of course, as everybody knows, security throughout the world in every aspect of our lives has become more and more critical. Everybody's demanding that security, um, and so it's always been at the top of our list, knowing that we were out there on the cloud and had to be very, very secure. So it's making that stronger, and it's utilizing that that the cloud storage with that. We also um, have to be upfront um, and in the forefront of, of laws that countries are passing related to primarily security. You know, they either want the documents in their country or somehow some security, if someone logs in, they want to be able to have, make sure that it's secure, someone's not going to steal their data or steal their identity and, um, and those types of things. I mean, we're doing um, bringing out new products that are exciting. The new ending email is uh, is is just very very simple for users. You put it in, it figures out um, you know how to how to feed up to you your uh, your emails and for the location that they should be saved at, and so things like that. Um, being able to have synchronized documents locally on your PC. So we're trying to make any barriers that exist out there, trying to eliminate those, make it the ease of use for the attorneys or anyone using the software to be readily available, easy to use, and just at their fingertips at all times. That's great. Lee, I, I greatly appreciate your time with us. Before I let you go, I have one final question. Now, you mentioned that you grew up partly in Arizona. Um, you were right on Highway 66. Your father was an engineer, and so you were around trains a lot. I know that right now you're a pretty darn good car guy. You love cars. You love getting in there and fixing them and working on them. But overall, what's your favorite? Would you pick trains or would you pick cars? <laughs> well, that's a very good question. You know, um, I, I, trains, historically speaking, were really, really cool. They've, they've kind of since become kind of mundane, in my opinion, because, you know, there's no um, – design hardly they're just kind of a function you, you know you, you used to back in those days the passenger service for the santa fe was just impeccable and and the comfort the seats were soft and so forth now they try to change that with trains and commuters and so forth with hard seats and it's like who's who's the most important here it's just like documenting who's the most important it's that customer you want it to be easy and nice and so so I would I would probably say cars, although uh, cars have gone in lots of different directions too. But uh, but it's been fun seeing both of those grow up. You know, it's just fascinating stuff. Well, thank you so much, Lee. I greatly appreciate your time. It's been a a pleasure and an honor for me to interview you, knowing you all these years, and still still learning more about you and even about the company. So thank you so much. You're welcome, and we thank good people like you, Mike, for uh, making this all happen, helping us. So thank you very much, and thank, thanks all to you customers or whoever's listening to this. 
it's it's been made because of all of you and your support so thank you all I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, Lee and I have got a great relationship. He's a wonderful man, and uh, he's done so much for NetDocuments. In fact, he was one of the people that that uh, interviewed me for the for the job at NetDocuments. So I'm I'm glad that he didn't make the questions too hard. Otherwise, I may not be here today. So for the last segment, obviously, I'm not going to ask me an embarrassing question. I just don't do that. We'll have JB maybe ask me two questions when he's back on next. But what I want to do is I came up or found a very interesting trivia fact, and I wanted to share it with you. And then we'll kind of wrap up today's session after that. So I wonder if you've ever heard of a man named Roy C. Sullivan. He holds a special place in the Guinness Book of World Records. He was a U.S. park ranger. He's no longer alive today. But he happens to hold the dubious distinction of being struck by lightning not once, twice, or even three times. He's been struck by lightning seven times between the years of 1942 and 1977. Now, among those seven lightning strikes, he's been knocked unconscious. He's had skin burns in many places on his body. He had his eyebrows and eyelashes burned off a few times and also set his hair on fire multiple times. You know, I can't imagine ever being struck by lightning once, but to be struck seven times, it's amazing. In fact, did you know that the odds of getting struck by lightning once is one in 700,000 during a lifetime? It's been calculated that the odds of getting struck by lightning seven times is 4.15 times 10 to the octillionth power, or that's actually 10 to the 28th power. And here's a man where that actually happened. Seven times. Now, although Roy was never a fearful man, after his fourth lightning strike, I can't believe I just said that, he began to believe that some force was trying to destroy him, and he acquired a fear of death. I think I'd acquire that after the first strike. It took him four. What a man. For months, whenever he was caught in a storm while driving his truck, he would actually pull over the road and he'd lay down on his front seat of the truck until the storm passed. He also began to believe that he would somehow attract lightning, even if he stood in a crowd of people. He eventually started carrying a can of water with him in case his hair was set on fire. And actually, one of those times when he was struck by lightning, he had the can of water his hair was struck on, was set on fire. Just amazing. Yeah, that's that's quite the story, quite the trivia. And it was interesting really reading a story about Roy and, and some of the things that he's done. If you haven't uh, if you haven't read anything about him, I'd encourage you. It's some interesting stuff. So as a last part of the podcast, I uh, wanted to remind those who are going to ILTA, and that documents is going to be there. That's coming up in August in Washington, D.C., And then for those partners and customers, we've got a couple of really big events we're excited about. We've got ND Elevate in the UK, and I believe that is on September 12th at the Law Society. And then for those uh, in in the US, we have ND Elevate that is going to be in November of this year. And if you haven't received an invitation or more information, go ahead and contact someone at NetDocuments. You can contact me at 
ndcloudcast on Twitter or info at netdocuments.com, and I'll be happy to provide more information. We'd love to have you out and show you some stuff we're doing. Until next time, keep your head in the clouds. <laughs>